press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, May 12. Accused murderer Christopher Dawson, the subject of the Teacher's Pet podcast, is facing a Supreme Court murder trial where he's pleaded not guilty to the 40-year-old murder of his wife, Lynn. After three days of hearings, we have the first hint of what Mr Dawson's defence might be, with the Crown telling the court it expects him to argue he has no criminal record and is of good character. That's coming up. Labor would win an election held today with a clear majority, meaning it could govern in its own right, according to a new nationwide seat-by-seat poll published in The Australian Today. The poll indicates Labor would win 80 seats, the Coalition would win 63, the Greens just one, and seven others, including two new so-called teal independents. Anthony Albanese and Scott Morrison have faced off in the third leaders' debate. People on minimum wages, it's $20.33 an hour. What we're talking about here, if if the Fair Work Commission grant a 5% increase, that's two cups of coffee a day. And the idea that two cups of coffee a day is something that would damage the economy is, I believe, uh, just not the case. People who run small businesses... Anthony, they don't get guaranteed anything. They, they risk their businesses and their own incomes in their houses every single day, and they need the support to help employ Australians. The Prime Minister was on the attack. No Labor leader in the past when he's been in the shadow ministry or the ministry has ever trusted him with a financial job. I wouldn't let him near the till either. The opposition leader zeroed in on the PM's record. He says he supports net zero by 2050 and then comes up with all the reasons why nothing should happen. The truth is, this government have had 22 different energy policies and haven't landed one of them. You can read our experts' take on who won at theaustralian.com.au. Many of our listeners will be familiar with the Teacher's Pet podcast, and now the case that that podcast covered, the disappearance in the 1980s of Sydney mother Lynn Dawson, is before the courts. Our national crime correspondent, David Murray, joins me now. He was in court yesterday for day three of the trial. Dave, Christopher Dawson has pleaded not guilty to murder, but we haven't yet heard what his defence is going to be. We got a slight hint of what that might be yesterday. Can you take us through what happened? That's right. The defence hasn't given an opening address as of yet. And today was very much a case of short and sweet, 45 minutes of legal argument. But we still heard some really interesting things. And I think we're finally getting now a clearer picture of how this case is going to evolve over the next four or five or six weeks. We actually heard this from the Crown prosecutor. This is Craig Everson, SC. He said that the Crown was expecting Mr Dawson with no criminal history at all to argue that he was of good character. And what the Crown prosecutor said was, well, we've handed up a lot of documents already and that pretty much contains all of our material that we'll be using to rebut that suggestion. Dave, this is a criminal case and so, of course, the onus of proof is on the Crown to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the offences were committed. All the defence has to do is cast enough doubt so that in this case the judge is not prepared to make a finding of guilty. So can you tell us what the legal argument yesterday covered? Well, one of the first things that we actually found out is that the trial proper 
the evidence from the witnesses will start on Monday coming, and the first witness is going to be Julie Andrew. She was a neighbour and very close friend of Lynn. Then we're going to hear from Pat Jenkins. She's Lynn's sister. But what actually eventuated is that the judge said, well, there's no jury. It's a judge-alone trial. He effectively wants to hear the evidence first, and then he'll sort it out later. He said, basically, he'll assess you know, how much weight to put behind that evidence and how that evidence can be used later. So it's very different than the way it would have been conducted if this was in front of a jury. Dave, on day one, we heard a bombshell. The Crown alleged that Mr Dawson approached a hitman or someone who he thought might have hitman connections six years before the disappearance of Lynn Dawson and asked for him to help get rid of his wife. Mr Dawson has pleaded not guilty and we haven't heard his version of those events yet. But can you paint a picture for us of what's happening in the court? What's the scene like? What sort of courtroom is it? So it's being held on the ninth floor of the Law Courts building in in Sydney and it's open to the public. So until really recently, the courts were closed to the public because of COVID. And so on day one of the trial, we actually only had about three people in the public gallery along with the media and the media seats. But today, day three, I think word is starting to spread and we had, I think I counted 15 people in the public gallery sitting in the seats. There was no spare seats actually. So interest in the case is growing and I actually think that will continue to occur. And we also saw Chris Dawson arrive with his brother Peter Dawson this time. So previously on Monday he'd arrived with his lawyer, but now he has his brother Peter, who's a lawyer, by his side in these proceedings. So this is another brother to the one that podcast listeners might remember. Christopher Dawson has a twin, Paul, who was also a rugby league player in Sydney in the 1980s. Dave, Chris Dawson is now 73. What's your observation of him from a few days now sitting in court with him? He's actually still a reasonably fit-looking man. He's, you know, he's over six foot tall, but he walks with a bit of a limp. We've heard he's had a couple of falls. He's broken his hip, very short, close-cropped grey hair. He wears a suit, very crisp white shirt, tie, very professional-looking. And he sits in the second row just behind his lawyers. He sits there by himself and listens to the evidence, and he's quiet. I, I don't think he's actually said a word during the actual proceedings since the trial started. He hasn't been required to. His lawyers are speaking on his behalf. But obviously there was a lot of interest in his reactions to various things. At the moment, very straight. Not much I can tell you about how he's reacting to what's going on. The case continues. David Murray is the Australian's national crime correspondent. Coming up, it's not quite a Labor landslide, but it's a clear victory for Anthony Albanese with no hung parliament. That's what a new nationwide poll is telling us about voter sentiment right now. That's after the break. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.
We're nine days out from the election and, we all know, a week's a long time in politics. But a new poll in The Australian Today is indicating if an election were held today, Scott Morrison and the coalition would be swept from power and Anthony Albanese would be able to form government in his own right. Simon Benson is The Australian's political editor and he joins me now. Simon, what's the poll telling us at big picture level? Look, at the outset, it's important to always make this distinction to make it clear that these polls are a snapshot in time. This isn't a predictor of what might happen on May 21. It gives you a pretty good sign of where the electorate is at the moment. So based on that, if an election were held today, the fantasy of a hung parliament is a very remote one. It's pretty firmly in Labor's favour. According to our poll, Labor would win government in its own right, secure a reasonably modest majority of 80 seats, in the House of Representatives, which gives it a five-seat majority. It's not a landslide by any stretch, but it's a victory and a reasonably solid one. Yesterday we heard about a poll of the seats in which the Teal independents are running, and that's what you're referring to in this notion of the balance of power or hung parliament. It seems that only two of those new Teal independents would get up, and one of them would be knocking off Josh Frydenberg, the Treasurer. What does it say about the overall result that the Treasurer is likely to lose his seat. Well, I think it says a lot more about Victoria than anything else, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) Victoria is not a happy hunting ground for the coalition in this election, according to these polls. In fact, it it would end up being its worst state. So you're right, you mentioned the two seats of Goldstein and Kuyong, the Treasurer potentially losing his seat there. That would be a body blow to the Liberal Party, considering he's the potential future leader. I'm not up against the true independent. This is an electorate that feels that it hasn't been listened to. How would they vote in the event of a hung parliament? I'd say that he's still probably hoping that a late swing to him over the course of the next 10 days would see him retain his seat. One of the other seats that's interesting in Victoria is Higgins. That was under threat last time from the Greens. Now this poll is showing that that actually falls to Labor as a Labor gain. My name is Dr Michelle Anandaraja and I am Labor's candidate for Higgins and I'm also a parent, a mum of two children. My story, like that of many migrants, is one of intergenerational upward mobility where aspiration was realised through a stable home environment. Now it is my turn to give back. And the other seat, of course, Chisholm, which is the knife-edge seat. Our poll points to Labor picking that up. So you're looking at a loss of four seats in Victoria. The broader picture here is that the potential coalition losses are quite widespread. There's two seats in suburban Sydney that are likely to fall, potentially two in WA, one in South Australia, and the seat of Bass in Tasmania as well. Andrew Charlton is one of those Labor candidates looking to get up and he's running for the seat of Parramatta in Sydney's West. He's been criticised for owning a mansion in Bellevue Hill and there have been suggestions of him being out of touch with the voters in the seat he's trying to win. Simon, if he does win office, what does it say about candidates in similar situations who've been dropped into seats like this? Well, I think that what it says is that there are other issues that are of a particular concern to voters other than those sorts of issues. Cost of living, obviously, being a Western Sydney suburb, our poll suggests that Labor would hold that comfortably on a margin of two-party preferred split of 57-43. So that suggests to me that a lot of the noise around candidates, the calibre of candidates, uh, where they may live and how many coffee shops they can name as their favourites, etc., is probably going over people's heads and people are voting on the issues. 
Labor had high hopes in Western Australia and it is the state where former Attorney-General Christian Porter held office. It is simply untenable for a Minister of the Crown to receive up to a million dollars from sources unknown in order to pursue a private legal matter. What's happening in WA and is Labor really as successful as they were hoping? Labor had a high watermark or high hopes of picking up four seats in WA and I think that was always a fantasy. Probably not surprising that Pearce on our poll falls to Labor. As you mentioned, Christian Porter, the outgoing MP there and all his problems at trials and tribulations. The other seat held by Steve Irons, Swan, is also pegged here to fall to Labor. That's probably not surprising. Interestingly, Queensland seems to have stuck with the coalition with only the loss of one seat there, electorate of Brisbane falling to Labor. Simon, there's been a lot of talk about how presidential this campaign has been and we've seen three debates that have been pretty heated. How do you think Anthony Albanese and Scott Morrison have gone, given that the overall news poll number at this stage hasn't moved really since the beginning of the campaign? You know, could it have been better for Labor if Anthony Albanese had not stumbled? Well, I think Labor would be thinking this is pretty good for them, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure that it could be going much better. You mentioned the presidential-style campaign. I mean, that is true. But you you sort of have to wonder, don't you, considering the approval ratings of both leaders, neither of them are particularly popular. So I think rather than a a choice between either or as a presidential-style candidate, it's the lesser of two evils sort of outcome. So I really do think that all the other issues at play, inflation and interest rates, cost of living, people just sort of generally disillusioned with uh, politics at the moment and coming out of two years of lockdowns and there seems to be a mood for change and obviously voters are going into this election with their eyes wide open. Simon, if these poll results are replicated on election day, May 21, what will the Liberal Party look like after the election? I can't see Scott Morrison wanting to particularly hang around for a long time if the coalition loses. The most likely outcome on these polls is 63 seats for the Liberal Party against 80. A lot of it hinges, I'd say, on what happens with Josh Frydenberg, what happens to the party post-election, considering he was one of the front-runners to become leader against Peter Dutton as the other contender. So I guess a lot of what you say about what is the future for the Liberal Party will hinge on that. Simon Benson is The Australian's political editor. There's an important caveat to those poll numbers. Of course, this is a snapshot in time and things may change between now and the election and the poll shows a range of possible results with a margin of error, meaning Labor would hold a majority of between one and nine seats if the election were held today. You can find out what the poll is saying about your electorate right now at theaustralian.com.au. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.